This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. everyone. Welcome into a, another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm your host, Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, we're back at it again with another day here. Absolutely, Sean. Uh, quite a bit to talk about again today, so we can keep it going. You know, there is a seems like sometimes we can hop on here and be like, man, I don't really know what we're going to talk about today. And then we sit here and go through some things and before we know it we've probably got if we really wanted to we probably got close to an hour to talk about but we'll try to keep that down to about 30 minutes like we usually do yeah people that listen to this podcast we always get on a call roughly 10 to 15 minutes prior to start recording and we plan some topics and then we think the beauty of this Derek is things happen in the middle of recording and it takes us down another path uh, so we do have a lot to talk about today. Kentucky did make Jay Lucas available for an interview Wednesday with UK Media. Uh, Derek, I was actually late getting into that interview because I completely forgot about it. Uh, but Jay, I think you got to see that personality that makes him a well-respected young coach. And you get to see why people, it's easy to build a relationship with that guy, just a well-spoken guy. Uh, you can tell that he's excited, had the Go Big Blue shirt on in a Zoom interview. Derek, just really quick, uh, since you were on there for the entire interview, what what's some of your takeaways from that? Yeah, I was on there for the entire interview. I actually didn't have my computer audio turned on, though, until two minutes in, so I actually missed the first question. And it was actually probably the one that has the most headlines this far, and it was that uh, he did confirm that he was planning to come to Kentucky as a recruit prior to Tubby Smith leaving for Minnesota. So... That package deal that got discussed so much seemed like it would have actually happened had Tubby Smith remained at UK. Who knows? I mean, that's kind of an interesting what if for Kentucky basketball if they would have uh, just the anticipation because, I mean, this is a little before I was following recruiting super close. I remember those Tubby Smith teams well. But if I remember right, Sean, there had been kind of a lull in recruiting. And if you would have gotten two All-Americans like that, maybe it would have been something that would have re-energized Tubby and that fan base a little bit. Yeah, there was. Those last two years, I think they lost second round of the NCAA tournament, and they had no business even being on the floor with the one seed. I think Villanova yeah. one year and Kansas the year after that, I think, maybe. So just uh, maybe not Villanova. It might have been UConn. I can't remember. It was. It I know was. for sure. Okay, because I just remember that you you had no hope that Kentucky was going to win those games. So, yeah, it, it would have changed things a little bit, coming with Patrick Patterson. Uh, but here he is 13 years later in a different role, and Derek, judging by listening to him and some other things that we've read, it sounds like he didn't even hesitate at this opportunity. This is something that he just jumped at. We had Brandon on yesterday's episode talking about it. 
So uh, just a, a good deal for the Kentucky men's basketball program. You could sense the excitement in Jay's voice to get to Lexington and get started with those guys. Absolutely, and he did confirm uh, what I'd mentioned was maybe a possibility the other day in that he said he did talk with Rick Barnes um, quite a bit about this job because he didn't really have a prior relationship with John Calipari. His dad, uh, John Lucas, had known Cal for a long time. He mentioned that uh, Cal, or sorry, John had drafted DeWan Wagner from Memphis. Of course, Calipari coached Wagner uh, when he played for the Tigers. So he always knew about Cal kind of through other people, but never had really developed his own relationship until now. But the thing that I took away from it and what I wrote about was that, you know, the quote, where he's going to be a recruiting coordinator, you're going to a school that already recruits number one or number two class in the country anyway. And he just said, more or less, he's not going to try to do anything crazy. He just wants to streamline the process. And more or less, it sounded like kind of an organizational job. Wants to organize all that for Cal, kind of take a little bit off the plate of those other coaches and lay it out in a way that will be easier to follow. And I think that's a great thing to have. I don't know if that's something – I don't know who was doing that before, if they had anybody doing that before, or if it was all the coaches amongst themselves trying to organize that. But regardless. Um, if that was something that Cal wanted, I mean, I, I don't know if he could have hired a better person to, to be in that kind of spot because he already has that experience as an assistant and he knows kind of what those guys are going to be going through. Yeah, he did say he's not going to try to reinvent the wheel at Kentucky. That's what he was talking about with the number one, number two recruiting classes. So a, a very good hire for Kentucky and for John Calipari, especially off the heels of Kenny Payne going to the New York Knicks. But, Derek, that's pretty much it on the basketball side of things the last few days, still relatively quiet. Uh, so let's go ahead and transition to football. So I joined SEC this morning with Chris Doring and Jacob Hester. Chris Doring, a friend of our show, Jacob Hester has agreed to come on here in, in the future weeks for an episode prior to Auburn and Kentucky on September 26th. Derek, I was on there for 15 minutes this morning, and they, they picked my brain a lot. We talked Terry Wilson's injury coming back from that. We talked the offensive line. Uh, and a guy that everyone, I think, is excited to see Kelvin Joseph, a.k.a. Bossman Fats. That's been a question that I think everyone outside of Lexington is asking about Bossman. Well, you know, whenever UK gets a kid like of this caliber, um, whether it be via transfer like it was or a recruit, I mean, they, they make a lot of noise. And this was a guy who, you know, I don't know all the details surrounding why he left LSU. Um regardless, in the time that he was at LSU, he played on a good team as a true freshman. And you don't get on the field at LSU as a true freshman. I don't care if the team is how it was last year where they were one of the best in the country. Well, that, obviously the very best team in the country last year. Or in other years where they were still winning 10 or 11 games. I mean, you got to have some talent to do that. And for UK to get a kid like him, who I would be stunned if he's not a starter, uh, come September 26th against Auburn, I can definitely see why people are, are interested in that because I think Kelvin is a guy who uh, big, physical, fast. I mean, he's everything you want, I think, in a stooped corner. And, uh, you know, a lot of those other things, it sounds like what you talked about on the show, we've talked about on here. Um, you know, Terry getting to come back with an offensive line that seems like already in camp has been solidified. You had the four guys who played a ton last year. Now Kenneth Worsey is slid in there at left guard and, is doing a good job. It seems like he's really already locked down that number one uh, left guard spot. So that's for Kentucky now, yeah, it is. Offensive line. Yeah, that's a massive be, offensive line. You'll just be building depth now at this yeah. point in camp because you got those five that you know are going to be out there. Now, they did ask me about the defensive line, and they asked me specifically some young guys that 
could with depth at that position. I mean, of course, you've got Phil Hoskins back this year there. Uh, you got Marquand McCall. you got Quentin Bohanna there. I mentioned Justin Rogers because I feel like that that's a guy that's going to get some some reps at some point. Derek, is there anyone else that you would throw in there? That's the only name that I threw out. Well, I'll tell you, and I think I've said this on the show. If not, I've definitely texted you about it. Like Anwar Stewart, Kentucky's defensive line coach, loves Josiah Hayes. At least before he got here, he did. I can't imagine his opinion has changed on that. You know, Hayes was a – if there was a surprise commitment at all last year, it was him. I mean, this was a kid who was committed to Ole Miss. Um, just an area that UK typically does not pull kids from. I mean, they get some kids here and there via the Juco range from Mississippi. But this was a deep south kid who John Summerall had some ties to and pulled out that commitment. I don't have the quotes in front of me, but Anwar was all about Josiah Hayes. And he was practicing. I think the plan was to play him at nose guard. So, obviously, he runs into that situation where you already have Quentin Bohanna and Marquand McCall. But the way that Anwar talked about him, man, a few months ago made me think that – and this was before, you know, that the, they had the extra year of eligibility regardless. Like, I think that's a kid who's probably going to play a little bit this year. Um, definitely, if there's an injury at Noseguard, I think he'll play. But even if there's not, I think he's going to have a chance to get some snaps. Yeah. Now, did he play both ways in high school? Like, did he do any offensive line at all? Hayes, I'm not sure. I, I would assume, unless those schools are just really good where they play, I assume a lot of those kids go both ways. But I don't know on Hayes. But that's a name that I left out this morning. Uh, I did add Justin Rogers. So they, it seems like they have some guys there, Derek, that they're high on, especially those two freshmen that could add some depth to that position. Well, you know, Octavius Ox- Oxendon was the only one who was there in the in the spring, and he didn't get to do a ton, obviously, because they canceled. But I don't want to feel like I'm leaving him now because he was a big recruit as well. I mean, all those guys were. Trayvon Ripko was a four-star, I think, on Rivals. Pretty high three-star on 24-7. And that was a kid who chose UK over Oregon, Oklahoma, Tennessee. I mean, honestly, all those guys could, could possibly play. I don't think you're going to need them all, but they're all going to be good enough to where probably by next season they'll be in the mix. And, two, I'll say this. Uh, Chris Doring, the guy that we closed with, he mentioned he expects big things from Boogie Watson. And he mentioned that in 2016 he was there calling the U.K. spring game, and he said number 31 stood out to him then. And he asked me if I think that Boogie is ready to take that next step and become elite on the in the SEC. Derek, we've seen glimpses of him. It seems like after South Carolina last year, he really turned it on. The tackle that stands out in my mind, I mentioned on radio this morning, is when he went through two blockers at Georgia and – arm tackled a dude with one arm like one of the most impressive defensive plays I've ever seen (laughs) on TV in person I have no idea how the man did it I think that's a guy Derek that on that defense I I said this he's not Josh Allen I'll never compare anybody to Josh Allen but a huge jump from junior to senior year I could see that for Boogie and Boogie also killed a man in that ball game if you remember I think on the first drive of the game he absolutely destroyed someone for Virginia Tech Boogie was interesting, and I, I was probably uh, – whether I was public about it, I don't know. I can't really remember. But I was, maybe it was overly harsh on him in terms of, you know, being a little too quick on a take. And it was – because Boogie was supposed to do big things last year. And those first few games, like you talked about prior to South Carolina, I mean, he was basically a non-factor. You didn't hear a whole lot about him. And I started to kind of talk it up to, you know, maybe this was a guy who just benefited a ton from having Josh Allen playing on the other side of him. But after that South Carolina – or during that South Carolina game, like you said, and after that, he was one of the best players in the defense again. And this year, I agree with you. Big thing, his body continues to change. We saw him in the spring, and he looked great. And he, he kept putting on more weight. And, but he's in his fifth year, 
and maybe more importantly, uh, I have very high praise for UK defensive coordinator Brad White as an outside linebackers coach. He's in his third year now under White, and the way they talked about him, you know, I think he'll be the face of the defense potentially because there's some other guys who could be as well. I mean, Square could have a huge year. Any of those DBs. I mean, it's a good thing about this defense. We've got a bunch of guys who could be uh, the face of the defense. But Boogie, in terms of a guy, if you're going to ask me right now, you know, who's going to lead Kentucky in sacks this year? He's a pretty, he's a pretty good bet. I don't remember what he finished with last year, but I mean, he'll push double digits for sure. I think in a ten game season, that, that'll be good. That'll be about one a game. But I think he can do that. I was maybe getting a little ahead of myself because I forgot there's only ten games and it's all against SEC opponents. But I think he's at that kind of ability though. He, he'll be a guy. I would be surprised if Boogie doesn't get drafted after this season. Well, you know, you mentioned that game at South Carolina, and you and I had talked about it, that he hadn't lived up to his expectations. And we left South Carolina that night wondering what in the world happened because the offense looked so bad. But the one thing that you and I came back to was how good the defense looked. Like that was the only reason they had a chance, and a large part of that was Boogie. So I expect big things from him for sure this season. I'm trying to look and see if I can find he, the total number he had. Did you find he had it? He six and a half last year in sacks. Yeah. That, that would be a pretty big jump, but also Josh Allen, I mean, his jump, and not like we said, we're not going to compare Boogie to Josh Allen, but Allen's, they were, it was certainly far more than hitting six and a half sacks more this year. And two fewer games, it should be noted, but it's not impossible to think he could push double-digit sacks this year. He's gone up every year. Two sacks as a freshman, to five as a sophomore, to six and a half last year. So he really turned it on. And, and all those last year. And all those six and a half were after that start of the season, weren't they? They were late. I'm pretty I sure. Oh so, yeah. Um, so yeah, you could see. I see a case where he gets to uh, to ten. I mean, you think you'd have to think. Yeah. So. And then those. I mean, just big tackles. I think that he's a he's a big guy for that defense. Uh, now flipping to the offensive side. Before we get into some other things, Derek, I, once again, I was I missed the interviews with football yesterday. We had Eddie Grand, and Derek, this is so out of character for Eddie. Like he's usually not one to to praise freshmen, true freshmen, until he sees some game things or he gets into to camp a little deeper. Uh, this he's not shied away, Derek. He didn't shy away from Jaton McLean, the freshman running back from Ohio, yesterday when he said that. Film reveals mistakes, and he has none. What What did you think about that quote? That's a, that's a really strong quote. I don't think that was word for word, but it was along those lines. Yeah, paraphrasing, you know, it's not far off at all. Um, and it's not the first time that Eddie has been very high on Juton. He did the same – or sorry, it's Juton. He corrected us in the uh, – uh, in spring practice, so I want to make sure I'm saying that right. I'm about to remind myself, but Juton. Juton McLean. Juton, okay. yep. Uh, he was praised in the spring as well, where it wasn't as much as it was yesterday, but it was more along the lines of Eddie, you know, was very impressed by him. I came away from listening to Eddie's conversation yesterday as saying, yes, UK has three running backs, all who are pretty good ahead of him, but he's going to play. I, there's no way I think Eddie talks about him like that and they don't plan to use him. I mean, he's going to well, play. Let's plug that audio right here so everyone can listen. So this is uh, post-practice yesterday with Eddie Grant on Jaton McLean. Absolutely. He, um, he's uh, a little bit different. Uh, locked in every day. He uh, knows this offense as well as any of the three that I have right now. Um, yeah, I think he's a special player. But it's always about, you know, make me make me play you, you know, and, and, and the – 
old adage, the eye in the sky doesn't lie, it doesn't. You know, you watch tape every day, you look at effort, you look at straining, you look at mental uh, errors, uh, and uh, that young man doesn't have them. Uh, so, you know, I feel very comfortable putting him in the game. There's a lot of competition in my room right now. That's the quote, word for word, that Eddie said after practice yesterday. I'm with you. I think he plays. Uh, you got the stable of running backs with Cavassier Smoke, who you mentioned has impressed the most from what you've heard, and then Chris Rodriguez, A.J. Rose. They all do things differently, but they asked me that again on SEC this morning, what I thought about those three who would emerge, and then I gave them a fourth name. And I think that they were thinking, okay, if, if Kentucky adds a fourth running back to this, you're talking depth that, these teams like Alabama and these power programs, Derek, you'll remember 2007 Kentucky and those, those years with Rich Brooks, Kentucky had talent at the top, but if you had an injury, it was a significant drop off. It's not yep. like that now at Kentucky. No, I mean, and we're not even talking about Travis Tisdale, who was a pretty big recruit in his own right. Not a, he wasn't ranked as high as Jaton was, but he was still a kid who had offers from schools like Penn State, some other schools in the Deep South. He was a good commitment at the time. He played a little bit last year, uh, which it was against UT Martin, but did some good things when he got in there. So you have five backs. They had enough running backs, basically, Sean, to where Torrance Davis, they could just – they needed a more linebacker. So they could just plug him in over there. And I don't know that Torrance will – that might be something that will change in the offseason. I have no idea. But at least coming in, they were just more or less like, you know, we don't, we don't really need another running back because of what we have this year. And, you know, Jatan, even if it's not just straight handing the ball off to him, he's a good enough athlete. I think you can involve him in other ways. Um, he might be the best pass catching running back that they have this year. Although Rose is pretty good uh, at that. So, I don't know. I mean, they're, they have so many running backs, though, that it might be a deal where if someone gets hot in a game, I'm sure that's how it will be. If someone gets hot, that's who they'll go with. But that shouldn't be a problem this year. I mean, running the football should not be a problem. I'm not going to say they can line up against Alabama and just run it down their throats. I don't think that. But you get them against Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, uh, team, teams like that, they should be able to run the ball pretty effectively and, and then still have success. I'm not saying that, you know, they'll rush for 150 yards against Alabama. That would be really difficult to do. But enough to where I don't think they'll be completely one-dimensional. I think they'll be able to have a little bit of success running the ball. And I mean, what a what an opportunity, though, that is for McLean to – and that tells you, Sean, I mean, he had to earn that kind of praise because it would have been so easy for Eddie to just be like, ah, he's a young guy, well, just working him in there, trying to get him going. But instead, it's like, nah, this this kid's good. He doesn't make mistakes. And you saw him in that video uh, yeah. we talked about yesterday or two days ago, whenever it was. He's out there running at least with parts of the first-team offense and the first-team defense on the field. Yeah, that, that's not by accident. I mean, that was definitely in there. That, and. Thankfully, UK is including some things in these videos because typically we would get fan day practice and then we'd get an open practice at some point midway through camp. We're not getting any of that with COVID-19 this year. So the only thing that we're getting is literally video and then what we hear. So it was good to see some things in there. Uh, Derek, I'll ask you one more question from a topic that we discussed on SEC this morning. I want to talk about this because I know not everybody got to listen to that interview. Uh, I think it was Chris. It was Chris Dorn that asked me that. If there's so many guys now in the fold at Kentucky that have talent, you know, you got all these running backs, you've got receivers like Josh Ali, Isaiah Epps, you know, uh, Lee Allen Daly, you got Cleveland Thomas, these guys across the board there. And now that Terry is healthy, the ball's going to be thrown around significantly a lot more than what it was last year because they didn't throw it last year. And he asked me, how do you keep all these guys happy? 
in this offense. And I countered with, well, they didn't complain last year when they literally blocked for 99.9% of the plays. So I'm assuming, Derek, that that's not going to be a problem as far as wide receivers. Now, running back, they managed it well last year. Well, if you're being asked those kind of questions, that's a really good problem to have. If you're, if you feel like you might have too many guys to keep happy, because it's, it could be the opposite way where, uh, you don't have any options. I, I think, I do think mentally though, Sean, last year at a certain point, if you're being logical, if you're a wide receiver, it's just like, what do you expect? I mean, we got one of the guys who was practicing with us all year playing quarterback now. So we can't expect to get the ball as much. And that's just something that it still reflects very well on them that they, knew that their opportunities were going to be very limited. Maybe maybe not even have a pass run to you all game. Uh, and they still went out and blocked and helped the team win games. So for that, I think those kids are always going to be uh, spoken of very highly. But this year, I almost feel like it's a deal where, all right, we did that last year. Last year excuse me. We helped the team win. Now it's time for us to get the ball a little bit to do what we came here to do, and that's to catch passes and score touchdowns. So you'll definitely see the ball thrown more. Um in terms of who it is at wide receiver, I don't I don't know. I mean, that's one of the things we were talking about where we used to get to watch practice a little bit. We're not going to have any of that this year. I mean, it's going to show up September 26th. They're going to play, hopefully. And uh, we're going to see how that rotation shakes out. We'll see if they send out a depth chart. I would expect that it's going to be the veteran guys you would expect, uh, Cleveland Thomases, Josh Ali, yeah. Bryce Oliver, Alan Daly. But I was really curious to know if any of those young guys could crack the rotation. I mean, you saw that Ernest Sanders touchdown catch. It didn't look like it was against, um, you know, it might have been against the third or fourth team defense. I don't know. But at the same time, we're not seeing these practices. They're probably mixing and matching guys all the time. So it's really hard to know at this point who is practicing with who. But if you find that right balance and you win football games, Sean, everybody's going to be happy. Yeah, and as long as you're winning, everybody's happy. Yep. That's that's the that's the one thing that you got to do. Uh, Derek, transition to one more football topic here, and this is something that I found right before we started recording. So Saturday Down South ranked the top 25 coaches in college football. And one interesting note on this piece is they mentioned that Sure, people can go to college football playoffs. People can be ranked in the top ten, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a top ten coach. So they took into account program traditions, facilities, what the program was like when coaches got there, where it is now. And Mark Stoops is at number 15. We've seen him somewhere in that range on other lists too, 15 to 17. I can't remember what list it was exactly, but he was in that range uh, in the past too. So here are the coaches from 25 to 15. Scott Satterfield at Louisville, P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, Gus Malzahn at Auburn, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, Kyle Whittingham at Utah, Gary Patterson, TCU, Mario Cristobal, Oregon, Tom Herman, Texas, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern, and then it's Mark Stoops. And ahead of Mark Stoops is, is David Shaw at Stanford. So I'll ask you, do you think that Mark Stoops is number 15 in that do you think he deserves that spot um we talked about this a little bit before we came on i want to word this away that's not gonna make everybody mad um i think stoops is a very i think he's actually the perfect coach for kentucky i don't think you could have a better fit than a guy who has ohio ties his mentality i think it plays very well 
with the fan base. And if he wanted to stay the rest of his career at Kentucky, I think Mitch should do everything he could to accommodate that. At the same time, I think he is receiving – it almost feels to me, Sean, and I could be wrong. People could have different opinions. It almost feels like a what have you done for me lately type list because a lot of these guys that he's ranked ahead of on paper have, have won far more games. But I think what comes into play here and what this author, I don't know who wrote it, is giving him a lot of credit that it's at Kentucky. And I agree with that. I think it should boost him up some, that he's doing it at a program that hasn't won a ton in the past. But when I look at college football on a national scale, you know, you kind of look at things. What are expectations for certain programs versus others? And a lot of these schools that we're talking about, he's, you know, Kentucky's expectations aren't the same as a Michigan, obviously, uh, in Oregon even, teams like that. He's had one year that I think was was great and really got the attention of people, and that was 2018. Last year got some good attention because they really, I mean, salvaged the season after losing top two quarterbacks. It's a hell of a job to go eight and five after all that that happened. But he is ranked ahead of guys. I mean, it's just, just flat out the truth. I mean, Mario Cristobal's won BCS Bowls. Uh, Gary Patterson's finished in the top ten three times in the college football playoff era, or in the BCS era, one of the two. Kurt Ferentz has been at Iowa forever, not been – it's actually my, maybe not a horrible comp for, for Stoops. Is, you know, if you can build a program kind of how Ferentz has at Iowa, then you'd be pretty happy. But, dude, Gus Malzahn's coaching the national championship, and he's 23rd on this list. So, I mean, he's ranked ahead of guys who have accomplished a lot on a national scale, more so than he has. That's, that's kind of my takeaway from it. And I'll read you what is written about Stoops in this piece. It says, yes, I'd rather start my team with Stoops than Herman or Harbaugh. That's how much I believe in what he has built at Kentucky. There's a reason Florida State wanted Stoops. He took over the SEC doormat that went 0-8 in conference play and led the program to its first SEC, first winning SEC season in four decades. That's not a typo. And last year, all he did was take a team with a major turnover that got off to an 0-3 SEC start, and he won eight games with a wide receiver playing quarterback. That's a testament to someone who has total control of the culture of his program. And then he put an interesting side-by-side, and he compared Coach A and Coach B. So Coach A has a record of 22-15. and 15. Coach B has a record of 25-14, and 12-12 and 12 in the conference. One top, tw- top 25 finish each, and then each have three wins versus the AP top 25. So that's in the last – is that three seasons or four seasons? Three. Okay. And Coach A is Jimbo Fisher and Coach B Stoops. So when you look at it along those lines, I mean, I'm with you, but I, th- I think it's a good spot for him. And I, I, when I mentioned Harbaugh to you before we started recording that when you look at Harbaugh at Michigan, I mean, he's not lived up to expectations there. But oh, Stoops has yeah. is, is significantly ex- exceeded expectations at Kentucky, which I'm assuming makes it a little bit more appealing to put him higher. Because what would Stoops do at a program that was established like a Michigan or a Florida State or something like that? Um, anyway, I mean, anyway, that if if you're just listing Kentucky's football coach in the top 15, that's a huge thing for Kentucky football, Derek. We grew up watching this program. Did you ever think we'd ever see the day that we'd see a Kentucky football coach in any top 15 rankings? No, I mean, in top 25. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is cherry-picking numbers a little bit, which is totally fine. I do the same thing. I mean, you can make numbers kind of look however you want to make them look. I mean, he's taking Jimbo's decline at Florida State, which he was responsible for. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he at that point in the program, everybody in there was his guys. Uh, and then he's kind of taken over uh, 
I wouldn't say a rebuilding job at Texas A&M, but they weren't really setting the world on fire before they hired him. So I get it. I get those numbers, but I don't know because it's it's a line I want to tote. I don't I don't want people to get the impression that I don't think Stoops is doing a good job. I think he's doing a phenomenal job at Kentucky and all those things I said before. I mean, I mean, you need to keep him because. You know, there's no guarantee once he leaves that it's going to be like this. You know, it's, it's not really been like this that much. I mean, if he rolls off, if he stays here two or three more years and he pushes ten wins every year, well, I guess not this year because of COVID. But once you get back to the 12-game schedule, if they're in that eight to ten win range every year, somebody's going to want him, you know, a big school, perhaps even a Michigan, if Harbaugh chooses, chooses to go a different direction. But these lists, I think, are fun. I know people can get mad about them, but – you know, there's there's different ways to look at coaches. Pat Fitzgerald, a guy who Stoops is ahead of, uh, probably cared about football even less in Kentucky, being in the Big Ten, a, a huge academic school. And he's had some rough years here and there, but he's also had years where they won nine, ten games. They've made the Big Ten championship at times. So I think I think the path Kentucky is on is great. And like I said, you know, Stoops is a an excellent head coach. And really, the rise in these lists are, are fascinating to me because two years ago, going into 2018, he was on the hot seat list. And now he's, you know, one of the top 15 coaches in the country. So it goes to show you what one really good year can do. And then you follow that up with, I think, from a national media perspective, the fact that Kentucky did not fall off the face of the earth last year. And they did win eight games. And then they bring back 80% of the production or whatever this year. It's easy to kind of see UK being a, a pretty steady, rock-solid program year in and year out. And even if that means that Kentucky doesn't win an SEC championship or win the SEC East at Kentucky, it's still a very respectable job what he's doing. Yeah, and what do you think of Mike Leach at number nine on that list? Nah, I didn't even see uh, that. That's crazy. Yeah, that is that is crazy. So out of the rankings, James Franklin's at 12 at Penn State. Stoops beat him. And then Dan Mullen – at number five, Stoops has beat him twice, beat him once at Mississippi State, once at Florida. For Stoops to climb this list, Derek, he needs to beat the Kirby Smarts at number four. He's got an opportunity against Nick Saban this year of Alabama to you know prove himself a little more. And then two, you got uh, Leach at number nine. I mean, there's guys there ranked ahead of him, plus Malzahn was ranked below him. That's a guy that he's not beaten in the SEC. Uh, so he has a chance to get some wins against some of these head coaches this season. Yeah, I mean, Leach is – he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. He really is. I mean, he's gone to some really obscure places and won. You know, Texas Tech hasn't really done anything since he left. Washington State was really no good before he got there. He's a good coach. I mean, I don't, I don't know how it's going to work out at Mississippi State. You'll get to kind of test that uh, theory as to how the air raid works in the SEC. Uh, we'll see if it works against Alabama and LSU and Auburn and some of these teams. I don't expect him to – I think he'll be a guy you'll definitely see move down <laughs> on lists like this in the okay. future. But, uh, you know, I, James Franklin is not a guy. His personality, I don't really – truthfully, I really don't like him that much. He comes off as kind of arrogant to me. He was – of course, UK played them, uh, Penn State in the bowl game. And just something about the guy, I don't know, Sean, he just kind of seems fake to me. I just – coaches like that kind of get on my nerves. But uh, he's a guy 12. That's pretty good. I mean, what he did at Vanderbilt is, is pretty incredible. I mean, they were – I don't have to explain Vanderbilt's history to anybody. Everybody no. knows how Vanderbilt is, and he had them winning nine games back-to-back years. That's pretty pretty good job to go, be able to go from Vanderbilt to Penn State. And Penn State's recruited really well. They've been a few plays here or there away from honestly being college football playoff contenders. So he's done a great job there. I, I would probably have him in the top ten. And then we're going to drop a recruiting episode tomorrow morning. We recorded an interview with Christian Lewis. 
Kentucky wide receiver commit 2021. A very impressive young man, Derek. An interview that we really didn't know what we were going to get out of when we went into it, and we both left it like, wow, that was awesome. Yeah, Christian uh, has some good things to say. I mean, he's a kid who has been committed now for a little bit. He's he's my personal, even with Jagger Burton, I think he's my personal favorite recruit in this class. I've been on his hype train a long time. I think he's a, a phenomenal wide receiver. Just And I don't watch much film on high school recruits at all. It's not really part of my job. To, I'm not a scout and never claim to be. But he was a guy who I did turn on his little film, and I, I couldn't I couldn't believe he was only a three-star. I mean, he put up the kind of production he did, some of those catches that he had against good high school competition in Alabama. If he stays at that three-star range, I mean, I'm telling you, he's going to be a steal then for Kentucky. I, I'm surprised that uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if they, have a, if, a, if they have a real battle holding on to him. And it might help UK that he's not going to be able to take official visits. But at the same time, if he had some kind of – if he if he grew up wanting to play at one of those Alabama schools, Alabama or Auburn, and they want him, man, it'd be a tough call, I'd say, for him. This has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. As always, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you listen to your podcast, you'll find us there. We're charting inside the top 120 of the basketball section. The way Apple works is you can only pick one subcategory. So we're technically under football and basketball, but it's under basketball first, second to sports. So that's the one that we chart under. We've Derek, we stayed in that 114 to 120 range for about eight straight days now. Uh, and that's all because of you all listening, downloading. We have keep landing reviews. Leave us a five-star rating. Tell us what you like about the show. Uh, we're going to start a mailbag. We're going to look toward the end of the week, Derek. We'll send out some mailbag stuff, and uh, people can DM us or reply to us on Twitter, and we'll answer some mailbag questions. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll see you tomorrow.